Our gospel text this morning is troubling. There's something really depressing about John the Baptist, the wrecking ball, the bare knuckle, this is, this is going to be a tongue twister for me, I'm going to say it a few times, the bare knuckle brawler, the savagely truth-telling to power super prophet, sitting in a jail cell awaiting execution, broken and wondering if his whole life is a sham. Truth be told, we've all had moments like these, hopefully not as bad as John the Baptist who was waiting on death row, but moments of disillusionment and brokenness when we wonder if our lives and what we have done with them means something, anything. This existential crisis stuff is an inescapable part of being human. Lucky us. They strike when something big happens or doesn't happen, when a large shift in our life takes place, like a big loss of a job, marriage, loved one, or a major milestone or anniversary. We like to look at these decade markers of our lives and um, choose to, to look at our lives in different ways. But John the Baptist was having his existential crisis in our gospel this morning in a jail cell. Who can blame him? After an entire life of preparing the way for the Messiah, from flipping over inside of his mother's womb when he first saw his cousin Jesus while they were both in utero, to proclaiming that a new day is coming, to baptizing Jesus and seeing the Holy Spirit embodied form, his whole life was spent in the pursuit of declaring God's kingdom come. His whole life was spent in the pursuit of declaring that the world is being made new and the old ways are bankrupt. They have lost their power. And yet in our gospel this morning, he is under the thumb of that same power that he spoke against time and time again. I never knew anyone personally who had spent any time in prison before I met our one parish, one prisoner inmate, Wally. As most of you know, the one parish, one prisoner program was designed by our own Chris Hoax underground ministry when he realized that the number of incarcerated people in Washington state mirror the number of churches in Washington state, a light bulb went off. What would it look like if each inmate was adopted, embraced, supported by a community of faith. So as they were released from prison, they had a soft place to land, a community of people who would be there for them, a real chance to a fresh start. Often with folk get out of prison, there are so many barriers to reintegrating. They have so many hoops that they have to jump through. And all of this with debt, all of this with just a couch to sleep on of the person that they got in trouble with in the first place. All of this with so many things stacked against them. One thing that I've learned through my relationship Wally, with Wally about incarceration is that prison slows everything way down. Our fast-paced world has us all running from one thing to the next with phones in our hands connecting us continually to more than we can actually give our attention to, more than we could physically and emotionally integrate into our lives, inundates us daily. 
So we live as though we're on a freeway, with our lives speeding by, events, people, engagements, obligations. But when one is in prison, all that hectic and fast-paced energy comes to a grinding halt. Where there was once freedom, there is now incarceration. Where there was once an abundance of stimuli, there is now four walls and one book at a time. Where there was once the support, possibly, of family and friends, that support is now relegated to visiting hours, short phone calls, and words on a page. Prison provides some downtime, to put it mildly, to reflect on life. And some choose to ignore their pain and problems during that time, and some choose to drown it in self-harming ways, and others choose to face it. And it has been my joy and honor to watch Wally face his and come to a place of peace. John the Baptist in our gospel experienced the slowing down and the facing of what is. As he was in that cell, he did not have a chance to speak to the crowds to eat his gross locust and honey snacks, to proclaim the way of the Lord coming. And so he was faced with only this. Does my life mean anything? Has what I've done been enough? Am I going to die for nothing? Jesus responded without a direct answer, as always like this. Everything we work so hard for is happening. The sick are being healed. The blind see. The lame walk. The poor are being given hope. Notice what Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, hang on, cuz, I'm coming to break you out of that place. You will live a long, blessed life and be free. Jesus did not say, I will bring revenge on those who are mistreating you and they will suffer. Jesus did not say, hang on, you will be given justice. No. Jesus pointed toward the good work that John and Jesus had been engaged in together and reminded him to keep his eye on the prize, the healing and wholeness for those who need it most the healing and wholeness of the world. This is the highest hope and most profound success of any life to be engaged in the healing work of God. This is what Jesus came to do and to help us get out of our own heads and our own self-agendas and set us free To remind us that when we have our existential crisis, we can look up and remember that our own track records and best intentions and victories and defeats are all enveloped in God's grace. And because of Christ, we get to be part of the healing of the whole world. This is the goal of our lives too, not just John's, not just Jesus's. This is what we were all born for, to be engaged in the healing work of God. We ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
oh, I want to be a fireman, I want to be, Naomi still thinks she wants to be a police officer because she thinks they get to drive around a lot by themselves, which is true. We ask these things of our kids. But we should be reminding them is this, regardless of what you do, what your profession is, you were born to be a part of the healing of the whole world. For us, at every stage of life, this is true. We know that John did not allow this existential crisis to keep him down for long after he got his answer from Jesus. We know because of the way that he died. John the Baptist, the wrecking ball, the bare-knuckle fighter, the savagely truth-telling-to-power super-prophet, died in the way that he lived. He held Herod, who was imprisoning him, accountable for something bad he'd done. He told him he shouldn't have stolen his brother's wife and left his own wife out to pasture. And if you know the story, you know it didn't go over so well. I can only imagine the gleam in John's eye when he got the chance to go for the jugular with Herod, right? He loves speaking truth to power. The smirk on his face, knowing that he had the chance to proclaim the truth and that even if it killed him, it would not change his belonging to the healing of the world. He was born for this. That particular piece of truth-telling did result in John the Baptist's head on a platter. But his life, his death, his ministry, it still belonged to the healing of the world. And no execution by a crooked ruler could ever change that. What a disturbing and liberating story on this joy week of Advent. At the end of our lives, we will look back and see a mess of good and bad and mediocre. We will have wasted weeks on nonsense and spent beautiful moments saying the right thing. We will have alternated between being faithful and sinful and sometimes been so skilled that we do it at the same time. And because of Christ, we do not have to sink into the hopelessness of self-centeredness. We don't have to work extra hard to make our mark or secure our legacies. Because our legacy began when the word, Christ, breathed life into existence. Our legacy was given embodied hope when the unwed teenage mother gave birth to Jesus in a stable in the midst of animals and travelers without a place to stay. Our legacy was sealed with the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we are reminded through all beauty, through all kindness, through all love, through the least of these, through the incarcerated, through all the hurting, through the victories, through our darkest hours of defeat, through it all, we are a part of the healing of the world because Christ is in us. So ask away, as John the Baptist did. Does my life mean anything? Is this all for nothing? And hear God's response straight to your heart this morning. The world is being healed, and you 
as a part of this big, beautiful creation, as a reflection of Christ, are being healed. You are a part of it all through God's undefeatable love. You were born for this. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.